Punky peeps, welcome to another episode of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. I'm your host, Angela Bowen, and tonight we are talking about Season 1, Episode 14's Punky and the Record Business, or also called Play It Again Punky, which aired on January 20th, 1985. Alright, so how's it going? Did you guys all have a wonderful weekend? I've had a busy week myself. I got my oil changed and my car is going in on this Saturday to get new tires, an alignment, and an air filter. So it will be all ready for Jeremy's and my trip to D.C. in July. But mostly I've been writing show notes on my many podcasts, especially since I'm debuting my new podcast, Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere, about Mr. Belvedere podcast this week. So I'm actually getting, so I'm getting that done too, along with my actual job. You know what? I can't believe it's June now. I'm still on the lookout for the strawberry Kit Kats that are out there. Um, I hope I get a chance to try them before they take them away. Um, you know, it's very, it's coming, becoming very hard to find them. I've only found their empty shell of a box in places like Meyer and Walmart, but I will keep looking. Other than that, my cat Quinn is in for a treat because she has to go to the vet this Friday for her blood analysis. A yearly thing, and it's nothing serious, just making sure everything is going in working order. She hates going to the vet, and I mean she hates it. She becomes like a feral wild cat, hissing and spitting. It's really scary to have to see that. I can't even touch her to calm her. Luckily, she doesn't go in very often, but in the fall, she is due for her rabies vaccination as well, which, you know, that's good for three years, so she doesn't have to go to the vet very often. I mean, she's an indoor cat, but she still does have to get that rabies shot every three years in case she were to accidentally get outside. All right, I am currently reading A Dog's Way Home by W. Bruce Cameron, who wrote the book, which is now a movie called A Dog's Purpose. The new book is good, but with all my podcast show note writing, I've mostly been only been able to be reading on my breaks at work. I've been finding a new podcast to listen to. I found out a week or so ago there's a podcast on the PBS show Wishbone that came out in the 90s, which I loved. And I love the podcast too. Alright, how about we jump into this musical episode, shall we? Here's a synopsis. Punky's disinterest in learning the piano causes Henry to bring in a professional, a younger man named Tony Glenn, played by second-time guest appearance by musician Andy Gibb, who happens to appeal to Punky's taste in music like Cyndi Lauper and the Bangles, along with his creative ways of breaking down the steps of playing piano by naming the piano keys, making them easier to identify. The episode opens up with a shot of the outside of the apartment building as we hear someone banging away on piano keys and then we zoom in on Henry's apartment. It turns out it's Punky as Henry's pacing back and forth behind her. We see Brandon on the couch with earmuffs on his ears to muffle the sounds and his paws are over his head. Watching Punky, I notice she's hitting the keys with her full pressed palms and not her fingers. Finally having had enough, Henry stops her but has to yell at her to stop to even be heard above the racket that she's making. She sits back, turning to face Henry, who tells her she's supposed to play the piano, not hurt the piano. She whines, saying, 
Henry, this is no fun at all. Yes, it is. It's a lot of fun, Henry yells grumpily. Henry tells her how he wanted her to learn the piano. That's why he rented it for her. Um, how did they get it upstairs? I assume the rental people brought it up, although they live on the second level of the apartment building. I never took piano lessons myself and was in, um, in, uh, band in, I wasn't in band in school at all either. I remember being in fifth grade and trying instruments out for when I would go into middle school the following year. Unfortunately, I wasn't good enough because I didn't get picked. You know, I even tried blowing in a little trumpet thing and it was like, no, you gotta be, you gotta blow harder. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah. No, they didn't pick me. And I felt bad because I, I would have liked to have been in band. Jeremy was in band in uh, through 6th to 8th grade, and he played the baritone. He even had a solo during a band concert in 7th grade, which he likes to talk about. Punky tells him, fun is taking her to Disney World. Fun is getting your picture taken with Goofy. Henry sits, her down, sits down next to her on the bench and explains how learning to play the piano is something that will last forever. And Punky mentions how a picture of Goofy will last forever. So, is he basically saying by learning the piano, you'll have something to do when you go to someone's house and they just happen to have a piano, and you mention how you used to play as a child, and then you are pressured by guests to perform a piece. Henry ignores that, and they continue to work on the song, The Little Speedboat, strongly advising her to lightly press on the keys this time, and she lightly taps one note a couple of times with her finger. I'm going to play this clip of Henry going over with Punky the different notes on the piano keys. I, I think it's kind of funny because she's not getting it. And he's like, we've been over this. Why don't you understand this? So I'm going to play that clip and I will be right back. Shall we try the little speedboat one more time? And this time try it lightly. <laughs> Shall we split the difference here? C, C, C. C what? The note, middle C, you were playing A. A what? A natural. A natural what? We've been through all this. The notes are named after letters, C, D, E, F, G. If this is C, then what's this, Z? That's C2. There are only eight notes on the piano. Not on this one. I count them. There's 88 notes. <laughs> no, there aren't. There are 88 keys, eight notes, and several octaves of those same notes. Octaves, keys, notes. Henry, this is too much for me to handle. Uh, maybe you're right, Punky. Maybe we ought to call it quits. Does that mean you're sending back the piano? No. I'm bringing in a teacher. Oh, lucky me. <laughs> Frustrated, Punky tells Henry it's too much for her to handle, and maybe so. I mean, she is only eight, and he's not really breaking stuff down for her that an eight-year-old would be able to understand. And he says, oh, hit this key, which is C, D, E, and blah, 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 blah. She's not going to be able to identify one key from a different one just because it makes a different sound. They all look alike. Unless it's like, you know, how on a keyboard when you do the, your home keys, so that way you learn how to type. But that's another story. 
And Punky asks, so does that mean you're taking back the piano? And he tells her, no, I am getting you a teacher. Now they're sitting there waiting for the new teacher to arrive. Punky on the couch and Henry sitting in the chair reading the paper. He lowers it to look at Punky, who looks to be agonizing over the idea, probably thinking she's getting some strict old crone of a teacher. The doorbell rings and Punky mutters, come in, but turns out it's just Cherry who comes over sitting next to Punky and asking what's wrong, because by her expression, you'd think that Punky had an appointment to the dentist. Punky tells Cherry it's worse. Her new piano teacher comes today, and Cherry asks what she's like. Henry chimes in that the teacher comes highly recommended and pointing to the classifieds as the cheapest lessons in Chicago. Uh, that could be a bad thing. Punky and Cherry each exchange a look at this, and then the doorbell rings. Punky tells Cherry, I bet she's a mean old lady who smells like lilac water. Yeah, Cherry agrees. Punky goes to the door and looks back at Cherry and Henry, saying, This is going to be the longest hour of my life. But to Punky's surprise, she opens the door to find a young 20-something man, year-old man dressed in a coat and scarf armed with a briefcase standing in the doorway. Punky's mouth is agape, but she manages to get out the words, Are you my new piano teacher? The man bends down to Punky's level, smiling, and says, Yep, my name's Tony Glenn. I really like how he got down on her level to talk to her. That shows respect in instead of being intimidating and talking down to her. Punky practically yanks him inside as she ushers his, him in, telling him, well, they better get started. They only have an hour. He comes inside saying how, saying hi to Cherry, who is very smitten and starstruck with him, so much that her eyes cross. This is kind of a thing with her. Tony says hi, and his name is Tony Glenn. Cherry's only response is, you sure are. <laughs> I love that. Punky nonchalantly asks Cherry if she has something to do, and Cherry says, no, still gazing longingly up at Tony. And Punky tells her to find something as she pulls Cherry by the shirt and practically pushes her out the door. Henry properly introduces himself and Punky to Tony and Punky adds, and this is our piano, Wurzler. They walk over to the piano and Henry points out that they've been working on the little speedboat. Tony suggests in his opinion, it's a little out of date and Henry tells him, it's a classic. Tony tells him he feels children better respond with contemporary music of today, being the 80s and asks Punky if she likes Rick Springfield, Cindy Lauper, or Michael Jackson. She tells him she loves all of them, and asks if he can teach her how to play all their stuff. And he says, sure, just as soon as she learns a few basic notes and a few chords. Henry excuses himself to the kitchen, after explaining to Tony he's been down this road before, and wishes him good luck, and that you'll need it. All right, I'm going to play this clip of Tony teaching Punky a more simpler form of understanding the differences in the keynotes by assigning C, D, F, C, D, E, F, 
and G with all guys' names, Chuck, Dave, Ed, Fred, and Gus, and then doing so for the other C, B, A, G, F keys by giving them girl names, Claire, Beth, Anne, Gail, and Fran, making it easier for her to recall. So I am going to do that right now, and I will be right back. <laughs> okay, Punky, let's get started. Honey, you already taught me a few things. Like I know, you always start with middle C. Well, you can start with middle C if you want to be boring. I like to start with Chuck. <laughs> well, Chuck's the main man, the guy in the middle. And Chuck has four buddies, Dave, Ed, Fred, and Gus. Dave, Ed, Fred, and Gus? Oh, I get it. C, D, E, F, and G. Okay, now that's half of them. What about the girls? The girls? What girls? The girls down the street. Claire, Beth, Anne, Gail, and Fran. <laughs> Here, you try it. Chuck, Dave, Ed, Fred, Gus. Claire, Beth, Anne, Gail, Fran. See, now once you know where your friends live, there's nothing you can't play. This is great. I thought I hated the piano, but now I love it. I guess it just takes the right teacher. In the kitchen, Henry and Brandon are at the table as he serves himself a cup of tea and a little bit of tea on a saucer for Brandon. Tony has her play some notes using this new method. And she taps out the first notes to Jingle Bells. And let me tell you, when she realizes it, she is totally stoked and amazed. She asks, how did I do that? And he says, it's easy. You just know where your friends are. And to play a song, all you have to do is visit your friends in a certain order. And sometimes you visit a lot of friends at the same time, like this. And he begins to play a song. That is so beautiful and touching. Actually, I looked um, when I was going through the episode on YouTube. There was a comment that said that the song that he's singing is actually a duet that he had uh, Andy Gibb had done with Olivia Newton-John. So, I think that's pretty cool. So, um... Alright, we're doing <laughs> Okay, um... So much so that Henry puts his cup of tea down listening and Brandon's ears perk up. Punky stands by as he plays, just looking so in awe and enamored. Like this man he his voice is right up there with beautiful, wonderful Josh Groban. If you not listen to Josh Groban's music, please do so because it is enchanting and beautiful. And his second album that came out in 2003, that was the soundtrack to mine and Jeremy's beginning of us dating. So, yeah, it played a lot in the background. <laughs> Brandon pops out of the doggy door and then sits, um, then lies down in the living room, just relaxing, listening to that beautiful voice. As Henry also opens the top half of the swinging door, like, they're like, wow, this voice, this man, he is a miracle worker with his voice. Afterward, Punky tells him that's the best song she's ever heard sung by a real person, and he says, thanks, I think. She says how pretty the song is and asks if it's a big hit, and he tells her, oh, it's just something I've been working on. 
You wrote it? She asks. She suggests he make a record and how all her friends would buy it. He tells her it's his dream to make a record, but he's unsure if his songs are good enough. She tells him they are and how he should be a star and that she is going to make him one. I mean, he could go on Star Search. That would seriously be a great start. In the next scene, Betty is over and she and Henry come into the living room for tea. They drink a lot of tea. Henry drinks a lot of tea. And he tells her to look at the piano and she walks over to it and asks, what am I supposed to be looking at? Henry tells her it's a signpost, a representation of Henry being old and out of it. Over the hill. She says, it says Wurlitzer on it. He says, you don't get it. He tried to teach Punky the piano and she hated it. Until Tony Glenn came along and got her all excited about playing the piano because he mentioned rock groups. And now she loves the piano. Well, Henry, he, he just appealed to her taste in music of what's happened now. Rock groups and Cindy Lauper, Michael Jackson and Rick Springfield. I mean, those more than outshine the little tugboat speedboat. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, as I've said, and um, I grew up on 80s and 90s country music because of my dad. But I also got to love and appreciate the classics of the 50s and 60s as well because we would listen to them on the radio going to church. And then on the way home, we'd listen to the Casey, uh, Casey Kasem countdown on the way home, which, you know, I got a variety of music growing up, so... As a teenager in the mid to late 90s, I still loved country, but I started to gravitate more towards alternative music like The Cranberries, Bush, Counting Crows, Alanis Morissette, Matchbox 20, Silverchair, Aerosmith, Savage Garden, and even Hanson. As I entered high school, yes, I know Savage Garden and Hanson are not alternative music. Now as an adult, I don't listen to today's country, but I listen to Daughtry, Katy Perry, Ed Sheeran, Kelly Clarkson, Pink, Taylor Swift, One Direction, and Enrique Iglesias, as well as other people. As well as music from the show Glee and 80s rock and contemporary like Josh Groban, which I love. As you age, your, your tastes and music start to differ and change with the times to suit your interests and moods. Henry tells Betty in his day they didn't have a boy, George. Betty says, yes, you did. He was chopping down a, a cherry tree. And she throws her head back and laughs at this. I love her little jabs at Henry, especially about his age. She loves to dig at him like that. She apologizes and tells him how they're victims of the generation gap and explains how Cherry has a whole different lingo than she did. Like how when she tells her she's bad, Cherry thinks she's good. Henry thinks maybe he's too old to be her father, being that he can't relate to her and worries what Punky will think of him when she becomes a teenager. He'd be so out of it. She'll think he was never in it. In the next scene, we're at the Dell Star Recording Studios, where Punky and Tony go to test out Tony's song for a possible recording contract. They enter just as a leather-clad, red-hair-dyed punk rocker of a guy exits the room. We see a Cindy Lauper wannabe receptionist filing her nails. It must be a slow day, then, if she can do that. She's got a display holder of different shades of nail polish on her desk, so she must have a lot of slow days there. She asks, can I offer you, like, assistance or something? 
Punky tells her Tony is her new discovery and she's Punky Brewster. The receptionist, who's clearly on something, either smoked or swallowed, remarks on Punky's small stature and asks, is she, are you a child or what? Or how does she say? She's like, are you, are you a child or what? Or just like, she, she's amazed, like, <laughs> you're a small person. <laughs> Punky informers, informs her she's not a child, she's eight years old. The receptionist like, that's trippy. Like, you're not even in double into double digits yet. Yes, yes, very trippy indeed. Oh yeah, she's she's definitely on something here. The receptionist continues, What a totally amazing experience that must be. Please, lady, every time you talk, you're losing more brain cells and you must conserve them. Tony interrupts and tells her they are there to see Mr. Dell. And she says, far out. I'll buzz him and tell him that you're here. But then she stops short, asking, you are here, aren't you? Tony whispers to Punky, some of us are. She buzzes Dr. <laughs> Doctor. She buzzes Mr. Dell and tells him, Tony to die, Glenn is here with a dynamic little agent, Punky. He tells her to send them in and she asks, where? <laughs> Mr. Dell rolls his eyes and says, here. She tells them they can go in and they head down the hallway and the receptionist puts her headphones back on. They come into the room and Mr. Dell comes out from behind his desk and introduces himself as Lonnie Dell. That's right, the Lonnie Dell and shakes Tony's hand. Okay, first off, he's got a gold chain with an open collar shirt under a polyester jacket. That screams skeevy to me. He tells Tony that his name is a very good handle and the right name is very important. Punky tells him her name and Lonnie turns to Punky shaking her hand. He leans back eyeing her and asks, say, aren't you a little young to be an agent? She just smiles at him. Then he adds, on the other hand, that means you're plugged in and I guess that can't hurt. Punky explains how Tony's written a great song, and it's a smash-a-roo. Lonnie says, well, that sounds fantastic-a-roo. And it seems that they have all the ingredients. He sits back down in his chair and asks them, what's her, his hook? Tony, unsure what he means, asks, what? Lonnie says, your thing, your angle, what you wow them with. Given examples like, do you break your guitar, maybe referring to Pete Townsend or Richie Blackmore, or set your hair on fire, like Arthur Brown, or sing underwater. I couldn't find a reference for that, guys. I looked. Tony tells him no. All he does is write a song and try to sing it the best he can. Lonnie looks at him surprised, but tells him talent could be a hook, too. Lonnie asks Tony if he plays the guitar, because he doesn't have to. Punky chimes in, of course he plays it. Lonnie sees the big picture in his head, a music video with Tony and a guitar somewhere, and then tells Tony he's psyched and tells Tony to thrill him as he goes back to his chair. Tony starts to play his song, and Lonnie is just dreaming of the big dollars rolling in. I'm surprised his eyes don't have those cartoon dollar signs in them. He's so excited, he stops Tony mid-song, saying, Tony, 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 you're dynamite, he tells Lonnie, but 
he tells <laughs> Tony tells Lonnie he hasn't finished yet. Lonnie tells him it doesn't matter. He blew him away. He moved him. This guy here clearly is a sleazebag because he saw Tony the minute he came in and figured he'd be able to extort him out of money by making him believe he has a shot at becoming a musician. Honestly, in my opinion, he'd be better off on Star Search. He'd get the exposure that he needs to get noticed by the public and the right people to hopefully represent him. Tony asked Lonnie if he did if he really liked it and to prove it Lonnie goes over to his intercom to tell the receptionist to cancel his recording with Prince now this right here I would be really skeptically of I mean come on Prince really is Tony is he just really is he, is he really na that naive even Punky is falling for it because she asks if he's really canceling Prince and Lonnie tells her Prince is yesterday. Tony Glenn is today. Excitedly, Punky jumps up and down saying, Can you believe it, Tony? You're today. Tony's excited too, saying he can't believe it. He's always dreamed of it, but never thought it could happen. Lonnie again at, comes out from behind his desk and shakes Tony's hand, congratulating him, welcoming welcoming him to the Dell Star label and how he's going to make him a Dell Star star. Lonnie's talking full commitment, promotion, videos, backup singers, and all he wants from Tony is a commitment, and Tony tells him he's got it. Lonnie quickly adds, and 2500 in cash. Okay, seriously, this is where I walk. That there's a red flag. Even Tony's looking at him like, uh, excuse me? Tell me you did not just say that with a straight face. And Punky even asks, wait a minute, we have to pay you? She thinks that, <laughs> that this is completely nuts as well, clearly. I mean, he even had the gall to ask for it in cash. Red flag, red, red flag right up ahead. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's SOP, kid. SOP? Punky asks. Standard operation procedure, he explains. It's good faith money. You see, I'll be investing ten times that amount just to get the Tony Glenn ball rolling. That's a pretty expensive ball, she says to herself. Lonnie pats Punky on the head, saying, She's a smart kid, and that's why he needs insurance. What if Tony changes his mind about being a rock star? And Tony tells him he gives him his word. But Lonnie says, Tony, 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 I've been burnt before. Once burned, twice shy. Says to himself, That's a good title. I should give that to Springsteen. Tony's still insured and tells Mr. Dell. The 2500 is still a lot of money, and Punky offers up $8 from her piggy bank and how, mentions how she could hawk her sticker collection. Lonnie points at Punky, saying, Now we're talking! Tony asks Lonnie straight out if he has what it takes. Lonnie swears on his mother's grave that Tony is the best he's ever heard. Back in the waiting room, we see the receptionist filing her nails as Henry walks in and a booming voice says, Young lady! Freaked out, the lady takes off her headphones, and Henry asks her if she's seen a little girl and her music teacher. The receptionist says, no, but I can't wait to see Dune. 
I'm guessing she's talking about the movie. Um, is she suffering from short-term memory loss? I mean, what exactly did she take that she cannot remember them? They were there, like, 20 freaking minutes ago. Tony tells Henry the great news that Mr. Dell wants to record one of his songs and Punky mentions... Oops, I'm sorry. Skipped over that. Whoopsie. <laughs> Just then... Punky and Tony walk into the waiting room, and she asks him what he's doing there. And Henry tells them how Cherry told him what they were up to. Tony tells Henry the great news, that Mr. Dell wants to record one of his songs, and Punky mentions they're on their way to get the $2,500. The what? Henry exclaims, you shouldn't be paying him. He says outraged. Excuse me, guys. Mm, sorry. Punky tells him, don't worry, it's SOP, standard operating procedure. Henry looks at Tony questioningly at, looks questioningly at Tony, adds, Tony adds, it's good faith money. Yeah, Mr. Dell thought Tony was the best he'd ever heard. He doesn't just sign anybody. Punky adds, I see, Henry says, coming up with an idea. Now we see Henry walk into Lonnie's office. However, right before he does, we see Lonnie spray painting one of the gold records. So that just adds up to the fact that he is a fake. Henry introduces himself and Lonnie does the same. Lonnie asks if Henry minds if he calls him Hank and Henry says he minds very much. Henry asks if he produced those records on the wall and Lonnie says, of course, every record he Touches turns to gold. So what, he's like King Midas now? He keeps some in his office, some at home, and the rest are on the way to the Lonnie Dell Museum. While he's saying this, Henry has the intercom button pressed so Tony and Punky can hear what's going on from in the waiting room. Henry tells Lonnie maybe he shouldn't have come, that a man like Lonnie wouldn't be interested in a song of his. But Lonnie stops him asking, you write songs? Henry says, yes, he sings a little, but only in its spare time. He makes his living as a photographer. Lonnie starts in on his familiar spiel with, I can see it now. The video. You, a camera, somewhere. Telling Henry he's psyched and to thrill him. Henry tells him he doesn't have any musical accompaniment, and Lonnie says he doesn't need it. He's got a hook. He's old. It's different. Henry tells him thank you and says he has a song he's been working on called Just Say Cheese. Wow, Henry's doing a good job as he makes this up all on the fly. All right, I'm going to play this clip because it's great on the spot. Henry Warnemont original. Uh, great. On the spot, Henry Warnemont original. All right, well, let me play you that guy, guys that clip, and I will be right back. Here's a little something I like to call Just Say Cheese. I love it. Come on. <laughs> when you're feeling gloomy, won't you listen to me? Just say cheese. <laughs> be a happy gal or fella under my umbrella. Just say cheese. And if they start to focus and you're not in focus, just say cheese. Don't say salami. Don't say bananas. Don't say minestrone. Say cheese, baby. 
After Henry's performance, Lonnie tells him he's dynamite. He blew him away. He moved him. The exact same speech he gave to Tony just ten minutes ago. Henry tells... Henry, playing along, asks, You really liked it? Lonnie tells him he's red hot and he's gonna cancel his recording session with Prince. The sad face on poor Tony as he realizes he's been had. Henry asks Lonnie just how red hot is he? And Lonnie says when he's through, he'll have the whole country saying cheese. He's talking full commitment, videos, other stuff. And all he wants from Henry is every cheese song he can come up with and $2,500 cash. Henry tells him he doesn't know. That's a lot of money. And Lonnie tells him it certainly is, but it's a solid investment. And tells him he swears on his mother's grave he is the best he's ever heard. Well, Tony's listened to enough as he and Punky charge down the hall and barge into Lonnie's office, guns blazing, telling Lonnie he's a crook. Lonnie tells Henry to not listen to them. He doesn't even know who they are. Henry tells Lonnie, that happens to be my daughter and her music teacher. Lonnie's now all smiles and says, Tony, Punky, baby, good to see you. Punky lets him have it. Mr. Dell, you really let us down. You just lie to people and take their money. Lonnie grabs at his chest. Ow. Ooh, ow, that, that hurts. Sure, I've taken people's money, but I'm not a liar. I swear on my mother's grave. If I've ever told a lie in my life, and that's where the receptionist, when the receptionist tells him his mother's on the line. Your mother, Henry asks. That's awful. They've buried the wrong woman. Lonnie tells them, trying to cover his lie, and he runs out of the office. Tony says, what a fraud. What a low life, Henry adds. What a disappointment, Punky says sadly. Tony thanks Henry for saving him a lot of money. Henry tells him he doesn't have to thank him. However, if he were able to offer, say, ten free piano lessons for Punky, and Tony smiles and tells him, you've got it. Way to go, Henry. You were great, she tells him. Henry agrees that he wasn't so bad for a guy who's old and out of it. Punky tells him, he's not old and out of it. He's the smartest, most terrific guy she knows, as she hugs him and he says thanks. Tony tells Henry he really loved the song he sang, and Tony begins to sing the song, Don't say salami, don't say bananas, don't say minestrone, say cheese, baby, say cheese. And they do the jazz hands, and then they walk out, but Punky's so into the song that she doesn't know she's all by herself. Alright guys, that is the end of the episode. Now it's time for the Brandon Tailwig episode rating. I'm giving this episode 4 out of 5 Brandon Tailwigs. One for Henry stressing the importance of music into Punky in Punky's life. It's very important. Kids need music in their life. Two for Tony Glenn and his amazing teaching techniques for children. By breaking down the steps in an easy-to-understand way and appealing to the youth's taste in music to relate to them on their level. 
three for Tony Glenn's amazing singing voice loved by both humans and dogs four for Henry helping Tony and Punky realize they were being scammed and for proving Lonnie Dell to be a fraud not to mention Henry's on-the-spot song say cheese George Gaines has got such an operatic voice he's got to show it off once in a while well, unfortunately, I had to knock a wag off because of that creep Lonnie Dell, stealing people's money and making promises he had no intention of keeping. He even admits to taking people's money when he's found out in the end. All right, now it's time for Punky's Principles. It's a hard, sometimes a hard lesson to learn, but simple to remember. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And the easiest way isn't always the best way. Alright, let's hear who Punky Brewster who Punky Brewster has touched, how she's touched other people's lives. Alright, it is the review is titled A Show About Values. Punky Brewster was a show that first focused on important values for growing up, like honor and obedience and being kind and respectful towards yourself and others, even if they are different than you. All right, I'm going to... I didn't see that. That's kind of a spoiler. I know people probably have seen the show before. Some haven't. I don't want to spoil it for them, though, so I'm going to omit that part of the review. Um, wow. Let me see. I'm sorry, guys. Alright, there are a lot of good episodes in this series, and I am really taken aback that some people think otherwise. I was born in 1982 myself. Hey, so was I. How about that? We're twinsies. And grew up watching Punky Brewster and learned about morals and values. We had good TV shows back then. True. Some TV shows slash cartoons nowadays are good, and they try to teach kids that it's okay to be different and that's okay that it's okay to have friends who are different also someone commented on the show how the show was fading when punky became a preteen of course the producers and writers are going to focus around soleil becoming a preteen and teen of course in movies we see now actors who are 25 portraying characters who are 18 and 19 but back in the 80s tv shows and movies were true to the decade and true to the actors who played them at least the shows i watched tv shows are often often have to grow and develop new plots and storylines as the actors get older because who would want to see a preteen punky still pretending to play cops and robbers when she was six or seven nobody would tune in then I could comment more about this and other shows and to the people who refuse to open their eyes and narrow minds, but I'd be here all night. Alright guys, let's give a shout out to the punky peeps of the world, some new listeners on SoundCloud. We have some U.S. listeners, College Park, Maryland, and Seattle, Washington. Also some new international listeners. I think it's Lizaro, Australia, Australia. Alexandria, Australia as well, Jediah, or Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, Drayton Valley, Canada. All right, let's give a shout out to some returning listeners. Tinley Park, Illinois, Mountain View, California, Muskegon, Michigan, and Valencia, California. I want to give a sincere thank you to all you listeners out there, whether you listen to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other listening platforms that you may use to hear this podcast. 
I love giving you the episode recaps of Punky Brewster every week. Joining me as I go into full detail, describing Punky's many adventures and shenanigans with Henry, Brandon, and her friends, as well as my occasional writing commentary and childhood stories to go with it, depending on the episode. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes so you won't miss an episode and tell your friends and family about this. This is, after all, a family-friendly podcast to be listened to by all. Also, check my social media sites, which you can access using the links in my SoundCloud account, Punky Power on an official Punky Brewster podcast. I post throughout the week listener and episode trivia questions for upcoming episodes on my social media sites, and if you'd like to become an honorary Punky Peep of the Week and get the crown, all and all plus a shout-out on the podcast as well, you'll have a special congratulations post on all my Punky Power social media platforms. All you got to do is just answer the listener and episode trivia questions posted on my social media sites. And they are as follows. Facebook, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. Instagram, Punky PB podcast. Twitter, Punky PB podcast. Tumblr, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. And Gmail, for those of you that want to email me with episode and bonus... Hmm, uh, trivia and listener questions, or tell me what Punky Brewster means to you if you watched it as a child and have introduced it to your child, or anything Punky related as well for the pod or praise for the podcast. My mouth is really dry right now. I apologize. Um, that email address is uh, punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com. Alright, join me next Monday for Season 1, Episodes 15 and 16, Henry Falls in Love, Parts 1 and 2. I am doing this as a double episode, and also the season finale is also a double episode as well, which will be coming in mid-July, I believe. Um, uh, Parts 1 and 2, which aired on January 27th and February 3rd, 1985. When Henry's old flame Maggie comes back into the picture, forgotten feelings of love begin to emerge for Henry, and it appears the feelings are mutual. Will this be their second chance? Where does Punky fit into this equation? Will she feel like she's standing in their way of their true love and happiness? Find out what happens next Monday. Well, until next time, Punky Peeps, I hope you have a good week. Whether you are going to work or school, take me along for that commute or bus ride to get your day started. All right, Punky on, everybody. See you next Monday.